So here's what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm Nisha. And I'm Carolyn. And we are back to talk about all the things we have watched and read in the month of September. Uh, which, yeah, September. That's that's the month that just happened. I just have to think about it for a minute. We are already in October. I know. And September felt really long. Like It felt obscenely long. This year. For no reason. This year has been weird. Like, all the months are short. But yeah, it still feels super long. Sure. Like, I was just thinking about it the other day. Like, Get Out came out. Not Get Out. Um, Us came out Us. this year. And I'm like, we're still in 2019. And Us feels like it came out, Girl. like, two years ago. Same. <laughs> I was literally like... <laughs> I, what movie was on TV? And I was just like, this just came out two years ago. I'm like, nope, this came out earlier this year. I was just like, wow, time has flown by. Yeah. Just like in a weird way. I don't know. Time is funny as we get older. But anywho, <laughs> actually, I feel like September was the longest for you because you were at TIFF. I was. Well, it felt like forever. I, I was. I was at mm-hmm. TIFF from beginning to end. And it was fun and exhausting and entertaining and exciting and I'm glad I went (laughs) girl I bet it looks awesome and you got to see so many things I did I saw a good number of films I saw more films this year than I did last year last year I think I saw 11 12 films this year I think I saw maybe 16 17 films possibly Mm. uh yeah I think so yeah I know there's people who saw like (laughs) double that I don't know how they do it but nope that ain't for I, me. Yeah, I mean, I like, I <laughs> oh yeah, no, I bet no, but that's awesome. And then for you guys, if you haven't caught to caught up on them yet, but Carolyn has had a bunch of great interviews with some of the with directors and stars from the films that she saw at TIFF, and those episodes are available to listen to if you have not listened to them mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, yeah so I did. Make sure um, y'all get to them. Yeah, I did a few interviews um, with um, writers and directors. Were any did I get to interview? I didn't get a chance to interview any actors this time around. The, oh, that's right. That was a director. I I think <laughs> I've like melded all of them in my brain since it's like okay. from editing them. Yeah, no, it's fine. Like, so. It was like it was all confusion. Like, so, but no, I did. I interviewed uh, four directors and writers. And which I did, I think I, I enjoyed all of my interviews. Um, so those will be posted on the site under TIFF and under Carolyn Talks and under the podcast link. So basically, if you just go on the website and Google and not Google and put TIFF in the search engine, T I F F, you'll find it. And um, there's the interviews and also reviews for films that I didn't do interviews for. Um, I have. As we're recording this, I'm working on my last one, which is for a film called Coming Home Again by Wayne Wang. And this one, I was I, like I was telling you guys in the DMs, I, I saved this one for last because this is the one that turned me in, into an emotional wreck. Like, I saw a lot of films this year that dealt with like cancer and death and grief. And like, for, like oh, you girl. guys, like I, I mentioned it before in our previous um, recording, like I had, uh, I, did I even mention it? That it has surgery? You you did yeah I did we like lightly mentioned it but if you if you want to like refresh the people feel free yeah so what happened was in August I had surgery to remove a, it's called a lytic tumor which means that it's a tumor encased in bone so it's not in the soft tissue like brain in the, in the brain tissue but it was encased in the bone so it's called a lytic tumor and I had surgery to mm-hmm. remove that entire tumor and it was replaced with a titanium mesh plate so I'm bionic woman now um, but 
Uh, <laughs> I had that done on August 13th. So I did TIFF literally the month after. And um, so I, I so a lot of the films that I... And I didn't even plan to, like, because sometimes in the synopsis in films, they don't tell you what's going on. They just say, oh, this person deal with a health issue or, like, grief, whatever. And it ended up, like, more than mm-hmm. half the films I watched had that with, like, cancer and people with tumors. And it was like... What is going on? <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. uh, but so this festival season was more way more emotional for me than the other than last year. Um, it was mm-hmm. somewhat it was very hard for me emotionally to get through a lot of the screenings and stuff because a lot of the stuff I really did truly relate to, and coming home again was one of the hardest ones because like. Uh, it dealt with cancer and like this is something that I dealt with not only with my own fear of the tumor possibly being cancer but also my grandmother died of cancer my mm-hmm. aunt had breast cancer and my dad had my dad had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma he's thank god fully cured now um, so they said and I also and his mm-hmm. brother also died of cancer too so it's like that's like very wow. predominant in my family on both sides so like when I watched all these films and then coming home again was one of the last ones I saw which I think was a good thing because <laughs> I really yeah. I, I read that one was like super hard for me to get through and but it's also a lovely film and I'm actually working on my review for it today and it took me a while to even start doing it because I was like I'm not emotionally ready to do this and mm-hmm. uh, and and like the way he does it, he deals with like food and how food and culture and heritage and all of it is interconnected and how it allows people to process different emotions. And mm. like so, I like even the way he starts. So the first shot of the film is about the main character, um, Chang Rei. He's like cutting up a side of beef, and I'm like. To anyone who's like, this is a shot of just him cutting beef. I'm like, no, this is he's telling a whole story. I'm like, I I watched my grandmother cut beef like the way he was doing, and I was like, ah, so mm-hmm. I immediately connected to that and everything. But, it, but it like I'm I'm digressing. But yeah, it was it was uh, like this season was really emotional for me. This has been an emotional year for me, and but yeah. I'm glad I went to the festival. I had fun. I I, I did karaoke. I met I met um. <laughs> I met old um, friends that I met on Twitter, like film critics and new friends, and I'm so I'm happy that I went. And it all turned out great. Took me it's been taking me a little bit longer to write my reviews than I would like, but <laughs> have to learn to pace myself and not feel guilty about it. <laughs> That's good. Never, never make yourself feel guilty about it, especially when it comes to your health and pacing yourself. I know, but I but that's the thing, right? Like we, said, like I find, like especially people in in our industry, like we try to, we 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 want to make sure we do things quickly, but then it's like, you know, you can't physically do it, but then you're also like, but I want to, and then it's like trying is a battle, is a learning process on learning mm-hmm. how not to feel guilty for taking time yourself like we call it self-care now but it's just basically like taking time for you and like but it's like something that we still have to break out of you know yeah there's also this really good i always think of this really good um comic strip it's um the person is called is called chuck draws Mm -hmm. on twitter um and the comic is his comic always features i mean their their comic sorry um their comic always features uh a pigeon and the pigeon, I think, is the representative of Chuck. So then there's this one strip where the pigeon is laying down in bed, and it's like internal thoughts are, uh, why do I feel like garbage? I like, oh, I should be doing something. I shouldn't just be laying in bed. And like, why do I always feel guilty when I'm resting? And the pigeon's like conscious 
pops up and says, that's because capitalism has tricked you to make you feel like you have to constantly be producing something. <laughs> and, so then, and then the pigeon, and then the pigeons like devil conscious pops up like, no, it's a lie. You're lazy. And then the angel conscious puts a, ne- a knife to the devil conscious. and like, listen here, you little shit. <laughs> He's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up and let them, let them rest and then the pigeon like has peace like ah yeah that's right and I'm just it always makes me think of like I too struggle with feeling like if I'm not doing something I feel I make myself feel guilty internally for not producing something yeah and I've learned that's how we I burn myself out a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, look at me. I have three slash four podcasts. I know. You do. Um, like, it's ridiculous. So, and and if I if I start a fifth one, I've told people that they're allowed to have an intervention for me. Because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not allowed to do anymore, at least for like the next year. Because so I have other projects going. I be I be ridiculous, I know. And no one and y'all need to take my phone away before Twitter after dark. But <laughs> I, I joke um, but I too also digress I, I totally understand what the pressures of wanting to get things done fast especially um, in this field where entertainment is just so quick yeah. when it comes to getting things out and being and trying to have the first out and like get things there how we want to have them but also I want to say you a good one for watching all those movies because I have a very strict rule I don't watch a lot of movies that make me cry I, I pick my times of the year when I want to cry when it comes to movies mm-hmm. and when I'm caught off guard I'll be so like well now I have to watch it and find out how it ends but I get so irritated when I've watched a movie and then I'm like no one told me it was about death no one told me and I mean like death as in like an emotional drawn out death <laughs> like that kind of like that kind of thing because similar to you like I've had my grandmother had breast cancer and I've had, like, my grandfather had it and another thing. So it's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I need to figure out how to handle that. Like, therapy sounds like the one way to do it. Or I can start another thing, podcast. Right? Like, but, like, the, the thing is, is, like, as I said, like, I didn't realize a lot of the films were going to be about specifically cancer. And, like, even there was even a couple where uh, a couple of the characters had brain tumors, too. And I'm like, seriously, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But that, for me, like, the whole thing, watching these kind of films started... Um, my sister's home. She's going to keep a whole bunch of noise coming into the house. Uh, so, <laughs> listeners, please forgive me if you hear my sister keeping a whole bunch of noise in the background. Um, uh, it's it all good. started with me with like um, Lulu Wang's film, The Farewell, which I saw when I was in LA in uh, July. And, like, for mm-hmm. me, and and I, I, I spoke to a couple of people, um, a, a couple of friends about this during TIFF, is for me, I like I didn't realize that it, I was grieving um this year and it was and it was about it's about personal grief like like their whole thing like you know when we think of grief you always think of grief applying to people like after they died and like but yeah. there's like you can grieve you can grieve for yourself and like that I, that only occurred to me like after i saw the film i was like and because like, i was sad and i was experiencing a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff i didn't talk about and i didn't tell a lot of people like, things that i was thinking and going through and i was like i'm grieving i'm sad because i'm like if this shit turns out to be cancer i'm like what the hell Right, and it was like thinking because mm-hmm. like, there's always a 50, 50 chance it is cancer or it's not and like mm. for me it was like I was like going through this whole thing like and I and it's about that and then it was also with the MS and I'm like can I get a freaking break so I was going through this whole grieving process and I didn't realize it and it was only 
and then I, 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 and so then I only like realized this like when I came home, uh, in August, I had this epiphany moment where I'm like, I'm sad, but it's not just sadness; it's grief. And then I watched all of these films during Tiff, and I'm like, yep, it's grief. There's a difference, and like, there's this article I want to write, and I'm like, <laughs> just I have this whole thing in my head, but I'm like, just to sit on a trend, attempt to write it, it has been like a challenge for me. Uh, but yeah, but I'm glad I'm glad that I saw the films that I did because it has helped me process it and ask, and to acknowledge that I'm still going through this whole emotional process of like how how my health has affected me emotionally and mentally and all that kind of stuff so like like even talking about it like I, I didn't talk about it before but like I, I told myself I need to talk about this stuff more because it not only helps me but help it might help someone else too and like I think that's a problem with us like with people like we try to keep everything on the inside and we are like we don't want to bother anyone and we think no one wants to hear this and everything and like it, it yep. is but we shouldn't be that way and like there was a moment when I was at TIFF there was this conference um, this seminar that Lulu Wang Wong, actually, I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's, uh, Wong, she she did a, a speaking event during TIFF, and I was there, and I got up, and I swear to God, I had my question in my head, and I didn't want to be one of those people that you know when you do Q and A's, like they get up and they like ramble or talk about something completely irrelevant, and I had my answer, my question. And I started talking, and I was like, and I, 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 and I was like, I had to thank her because that film meant so much to me, emo- like to me personally. And I was like, oh, God, Karen, what did you just do? And I felt so bad, and I felt like, because I was like there technically as a journalist too, and I felt so bad, and I felt mm-hmm. like it was being unprofessional. But then afterwards, I met this girl, and she was like, she's like, thank you for saying that because she had um, she went through something similar with her family member she's like thank you for saying that because that's the same way I feel about the film and I was like at least I didn't piss off one person <laughs> so I'm like yeah. it is worth it <laughs> that's good yeah. but, but, but yeah, yeah this year has been weird it's been odd like, 2019 has been odd in general <laughs> yeah you know Really, really looking forward to, for twenty twenty to come. <laughs> Could be a bit better. I know it's it's, yeah. I think that's how we all feel at the end of this year. As we get to the last quarter of the year, I'm kind of just like, yeah, I'm I'm ready for twenty twenty. Yeah. I, I want some more. I want some ready. more up moments. I need some more up moments, and I've had dumb moments. Like you know, there's gonna be bad yeah. things and bad stuff. But I'm like, can I get a bit more up moments this same as I get the bad? Just give me some more good. I agree. Here's to more up moments, girl. Yeah. Just here. But, again, y'all should check out all the amazing things Carolyn has done at TIFF. Because, first off, I applaud you for all the work you've done with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I think a lot of... The, I can't wait, and I hope to have the opportunity to watch a lot of the films that you saw mm-hmm. once they get a wider release. But y'all can at least get in on the exclusive interviews that she did. <laughs> Uh, get in on with that yeah i think maybe if we have time i I say this as i know both of us have busy lives we should try to like squeeze in one more episode maybe like a tiff recap episode oh we could yeah we could do that um Mm -hmm. that way you can talk more about like oh your top films and like you know we can talk about this more offline yeah just as a suggestion for sure like you know more time um and because one of the films i'm going to talk about today um is one of the films i saw tiff it's not i'm not sure when it's going to get wide release as yet but uh it's it's a really good film and i I didn't write a review for it so i thought i'd talk about it um yeah Mm -hmm. and like there aren't any other big movies that came out 
this month. Were there? No. no right. No. September was dry. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that, though. Um, but to keep things off, let's get into the reading corner. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, like to go first? Yeah, the reading corner. So I had started reading this romance novel. And I was going to review it. And then mm-hmm. it got, went into this territory. I'm like, I am not comfortable with this storyline. So oh, no. I changed my mind. I'm not going to review it because it's about, uh, basically, it's about, you know how for charity events, you can have um, auctions? Uh-huh. For people, you know, like, you like someone will, like, they like, auction a like date or whatever. And yeah. I used to read a lot of those kind of storylines back in the day. And it's a Harley Quinn book. And it starts out really good. But then I was like... I don't feel comfortable with this storyline. And I'm like, maybe it was just a frame of mind that I was in, but it's a bit, and the thing that, I think the thing that really bugged my, that bugged me is the, fee, it's the female character, so she's white and he's black. No, sorry, he's black. I'm just saying, she's black and he's white. So she's going to auction herself for charity and he, and to this white man to get her best friend's attention. I'm like, this does not, I'm like, I'm, how does that, to get her best is the best friend someone she was in love with all yeah. along like of course yeah but <laughs> why, I'm like why, why not else why, why, why can't you use some other method to get his attention you're gonna go and auction yourself I mean like other people were doing it but then it's the whole optics of her she being her being black and him being white and the whole thing she was like oh she never used to feel comfortable about herself because she's curvy and all that kind of stuff but then she's gonna be I'm gonna get all sexy and stuff and for him to notice me finally and I'm like hmm oh I think I'm just kind of tired of that narrative of just like I'll make myself sexier for him or like it could be a woman or a man either one of just like I've been in the friend zone for all these years and they've never really looked at me I'm like have you ever really said that you're interested in (laughs) this that's the thing but of course this is a romance novel so I I understand the need for plot yeah no yeah I guess maybe I might finish it um, but I'm like the frame of mind that I was in I was like no I can't I can't especially I I literally I can't do this but see that's like me whenever I find like a good fan fiction like I love I love Michonne and Rick Mm -hmm. fanfic girl but girl I get so irritated when I find like I'm invested five to ten chapters Mm. in and then I find out someone has basically they they, no they've like um, what's called fetishized her yeah because they'll equate her skin to chocolate mm-hmm. and then I'll immediately throw my phone away so I can get like what you're saying it's kind of like in that same vein almost yeah. it sounds like of just like ooh makes me feel icky or like when people be straight up like it just feels off like it doesn't I don't know if it was a romantic comedy I might be down for it if it was a movie because then I don't have to take my time and read it which I feel like is longer yeah. but Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I might read it to finish it because one thing I don't really like doing is starting books to finish. It. There's very few instances where I've ever started a book and never completed it. One of them was War and Peace. That book is ridiculously long mm. and there are too many characters. Um, but yep. this one, I, 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 I think it's just my frame up, just where I was mentally and I just wasn't feeling it. So I think that's it. I might pick it up again um, to finish it. So unfortunately, I don't have like a full review of it. I'm not going to say who the book is by and the title because... Uh, because since I didn't finish the whole book, I, I don't think it would be fair. To, to do that mm-hmm. so yeah but I just was like oh come on 
again do we have to do yeah. this again because I read so much of those like kind of storylines like back in the, the early 2000s and 90s like in Harley Quinn and silhouette mm-hmm. romances and that kind of stuff I'm like oh, I can't Mm. So well, I hope it turns around as you read it more. Yeah, maybe when I'm in a better I don't know, maybe it's just when I'm in a better headspace or whatever. But what did you read? Yeah. What what um what manga about torturous children have you read this time? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not children this time. Oh. Sorry. I realized that that cackle was a bit on the witchy side. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll calm down, but it is funny. So y'all might remember a little manga called Berserk yes. that I've reviewed on here before. Yes. So <laughs> I got to do an advanced review mm-hmm. of the 40th volume uh, from Dark Horse Comics for But Why the, the full review is on the website if y'all are interested in reading it. But I felt so strongly about this volume that I need to review it with y'all because I have feelings <sighs> that I didn't, I could not like, I could not put it to paper. <laughs> when I was trying to say. Um, So, just another brief overview of Berserk. Berserk takes place in a mythical medieval fantasy horror world Mm -hmm. where there are actual demons and, like, actual demons just pop up out of nowhere and be snatching babies, eating people. Imagine Castlevania, but much, much more graphic. Um, Who would think that was possible? And then... Yeah, yeah, you know... And there's an it's it's been one of the longest running like series for a manga, and it's it was gruesomer than Castlevania before Castlevania for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I did the math. This thing has been going on for over twenty years. If you count when it first when it originally premiered in Japan, and then when it came over to the U.S. I think when the U.S. it came in 1996. Right when they started um, printing it in English. So it's been going on for quite some time. I'm just setting this all up so I can give y'all the backstory on on my two favorite characters. We have Guts, who is the main hero of the story. And you have Casca. She is his romantic interest, but before that, she was his commander in a mercenary army they eventually fall in love. They have a, I have, they have that romantic chemistry that I can't help when it's people that butt heads and argue with each other. And then they are great, like compatible and they comfort one another in ways. Isn't it always so. the best trope though? Like, um, enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she's just like, truly has like, she doesn't put up with his crap. Mm-hmm. And he has this whole, like, I don't understand why a woman's on the battlefield. Not in like a misogynistic thing. It's just like, it's set in like a myth- mythological, like medieval times so she's also a dark-skinned woman Mm -hmm. so i immediately love her already and then she's the only warrior woman in their troop Mm, so it's like one of those things yeah so i'm just kind of setting that all up okay so i haven't even gotten to the volume yet okay so at some point in the series guts and casca go and rescue their friend griffith griffith is the most terrible fuckboy manga character anime character that has ever existed and I hate him I truly truly hate him with all of my heart mainly because this man because he was upset because Guts had left their mercenary group because Guts had decided he wanted to go on his own warrior's journey blah 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 he got um, Griffith got in his feelings because he felt abandoned so Griffith goes and gets himself in trouble he ends up getting in trouble with the king. The king tortures Griffith so much that he rips off his muscles 
rips off the man's toenails, fingernails, like really tortures him to the point where he's immobilized. Ew. It's very, it's very, yeah, it's gross and it's very gruesome and they show everything. Very Bolton. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Re- mm, even worse than Ramsey. Um, so Guts comes back. Him and Casca get together. Him and Casca make a plan to go rescue Griffith. They all they are all doing this to help Griffith achieve his goal. They then find a way to magically, hopefully, restore his body. They get Griffith to this thing. An event called the Eclipse happens. Okay, the Eclipse is. I'm gonna summarize. Nobody but nobody murder me for what I say if it's obscenely wrong but basically grip at the eclipse Griffith makes a deal with some demons mm. to be reborn as another demon of course he does and of course he does and he betrays all his and he sacrifices everyone who was in their troop except for guts and Tosca mm. then as revenge for abandoning him and I put abandoning in quotation marks as revenge or abandoning him, he then decides that he's going to rape Casca in front of in front of Guts and make Guts watch. And he, he does this by making the demons hold Guts back no. and restrain us. Yes. What? I I was just distraught. Then you said pissed. the writer was going through some issues when he was writing these books. No, was this or was it something no, else? Or was I, it another one? Mm, that might have been another one. Mm. Oh no, he was. This is the writer who has taken many um, hiatuses, hiatuses, right? Yeah, yeah. He's taken a lot of hiatuses, and I, which is understandable when you put out a manga. Mangas take up a lot of time and effort, <laughs> and it's like he's also the writer, the writer and, and the, the artist. Art, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So, dark. and it's not just like he's. It's not like he's doing it himself because I imagine he has his own team. But it's still a very lengthy process, and each of these chapters are somewhere between. 20 to 35 pages long so that's a lot of work for a a manga Mm -hmm. artist so and this this event that i'm talking about happened nearly 20 years ago and and the manga's time right time no i'm sorry in our real world time it was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. over 20 years ago in the in the series time frame it's five years ago Okay, so just to summarize. So after Griffith has is raping Casca, <laughs> I know it, it is my biggest pet peeve because in order to get revenge on guts, you must torture the woman who trusted you and followed you loyally for years. <laughs> that makes complete sense. Anyways, after he does that, the event is so traumatic for Casca that it puts her into an infantile state mentally. That she is in she is in so much shock that she loses her sense of self like just her capacity to think on her own own is gone she can she's she has basically almost like the mind of a child because it has like the the it is so traumatic Mm -hmm. okay so now i can tell you about this volume 40 so volume 40 as i said again now we're like five years in the manga right like in that world Five years later, after my girl has been trapped in this mental state for all these years Mm -hmm. and all this time, they finally find a way to free her from this and and restore her to her full self. Like, for her, to her full, um, like, bringing, like, basically bringing her consciousness back to her body. So, 
in order to do this, they go to the land of the fairies, uh, or elves, fairies or elves, I think they're both, um, they bring them there, the, and they magically go into her mind, these two characters, their name are Farnese and Shriek, and, like, they're basically these two powerful witch girls, Mm -hmm. and they go into her mind, and now they have to battle against all of the, like, basically, they see her nightmare dream world that she's been trapped in. And it's like all this symbolism, and they find and they realize everything that she's been like seeing and feeling, and like the pain and what all that trauma did to her mentally, right? And how it has been, and how is and how it has been trapping her for all these years, because she, and it's just like it's a lot because instead of being able to process that pain, the shock and trauma of the pain forced her to just like revert, it like. Into a like a into and like letting her body go on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that ha- that can so, happen with trauma. Like you 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 compartmentalize mm-hmm. and you shut down some certain parts of like your psyche. Yeah. Yep. So long story short, they spend the entire volume eventually getting her free and restoring her, and it's a lovely thing. You think it's gonna be all happily ever after. She's now back to her former self. She's slowly remembering everything. They ask her, "Do you remember guts?" She smiles and blushes, and she remembers when they kiss, and then like you, it's all romantic and everything. And then they said, "Like, oh well, he's waiting for you." under that magical tree over there so as she is just like five steps away from him she gets a glimpse of him and that's what triggers her to have a panic attack and all the full memories of the traumatic event come rushing back to her and that's where the manga ends well didn't they think this through didn't they think that seeing him would trigger her because he is connected to the memory yeah, I think it's more like, well, actually, it doesn't end there. Here's the thing. I think this is how I know the author loves to troll us. It Then the last two, it, so the, her story ends there. The last two chapters in the volume switch to Griffith and what he's, and what he's been doing. So we're going to see from his perspective? Well, we just see what he's been doing for like that, where he's at currently at that time frame. And I was pissed. I was a little mad. I don't need to see his perspective. I'm like, why 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 do, you, why do you need to do that no we don't but i mean like it's not uh, anything new i mean the book is so vast and they like because at this point i don't know he's gone through some stuff over the years i don't give a care he's still garbage to mm-hmm. me but basically his goal now is to like unite the realm and for mankind and to build a new utopia oh, which for, that. i'd be like yeah and i'm just paraphrasing again but anyways yeah, they didn't think it through. I don't think they really... And I think my one comment I had made about this in the manga and uh, the review is kind of like... Trauma is hard. Trauma... And, like, and the thing about Berserk is there is always trauma in this manga. But I think the thing that the author really did a good job of is exploring trauma not only from the perspective of the person who went through it, but also from the perspective of the loved ones. So, so in this case, Katsuka's friends and, like, her lover. Everybody wants to restore her. Everybody wants her to be whole again. And, like, they think it's the best thing for her to allow her to be, to make her whole again. And, get, and like, to rescue her from the, like, the, d- the deepest parts of her mind. But they did However, that for them and not for I her. I think, yes. So part of that's just, like, for them and they think it's what's best for her. And then it's, like 
true. It is great that you restored her, but I don't think anyone thought that bringing her back that she still has a lot of processing to do. Right. She still has a lot of trauma. And I mean, like, again, it's not like they got therapists. This is true. I know we're thinking of it from a rural perspective where we'd be like, take time, give mm -hmm. her time to process, don't introduce it to to guys because he was there when it happened. Like, you know, we're thinking very Mm -hmm. rationally about this and very realistically about this. But still. I just hate that he's the trigger. I hate that. And I I know why he's the trigger. I just hate that he's the trigger. I know. Because it's not like he's only it's only because like she immediately remembers everything vividly as it happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like now she has to relive through the trauma again. All I can hope for is when the next volume comes out. And I hope that's not another six months or a year from now when the next one comes out. All I can hope for is that the story can take us to a place where we're seeing her process through that trauma. Now. Yeah, well, like she's not that, like it's no longer going to hold her back and be this, um, basically this weight that's weighing her down yeah. from her, like, but because she was a badass, she was like a leader, uh, she was the second in command to an entire mercenary group of men in a medieval setting, like, and she was dope, and like she's still dope, but I want to see her move forward from her trauma it doesn't mean she has to completely forget about it magically wipe it away but i want to see her process through it and it not be um something that she's bitter towards guts about Mm -hmm. or that i don't want i want to see it actually like done with like and he does and i think the, uh, the author does a really good job of like tackling these topics because I think that's something a lot of us can relate to is that you find out a friend went through something traumatic and your first thought is like, I wish I could take it away from you. Yeah. I wish I could take your pain away. And like, we can't, but it's also like you have to realize that they have to go through their own process too. Yeah. Well, for me, there's a whole other aspect of like them using getting like fairies or witches or ever to go into her mind and think I'm like, that's another form of mm-hmm. invasion there too. Like again, they're invading her yeah. mentally and, and, and her um, and emotionally to achieve something that they think is best for her. And I'm like, you know what? There's, there's, there's no one see a problem with this either. Like you're forcing her to go through something traumatic and to remember something traumatic that you did not have to experience. Like, no. Let's think about this. Yeah, and that's and I think that's something that's a good point because I don't think and it's the thing is like she has no ability to really communicate her feelings like she can do like the bare minimum tell you when she's hungry tell you, and then but it's like she was like literally just in this state mm. where it was she wasn't even herself anymore and it just seems like i think of course you want to help your friend get back to where they were and i mean the thing about it when they were in the dream realm and everything the, the it's kind of like an inception if you think of it, they, they basically inceptioned her. Right. Um, where, like, you see a, a representation of herself and how she sees herself in her mind as, like, this tiny little doll that's broken. And then the tiny little doll is, like, their guide through her dream world. Mm. Well, so it's kind of like you could take that as like she wants to be saved too she wants to be whole but she is scared and she's holding back because she feels broken well hopefully the writer when he eventually resolves that that he does it in a thoughtful way and that he doesn't like um, rush it because yeah oh no he's not gonna rush it it's been 20 something years (laughs) as time wise i mean like in developing and how the and how that 
progresses. Because I know it's going to take time because this is a man who takes his time writing mangas, as you said. So, yeah, but I just mean, like, throughout the story, like, it doesn't, like, skip, like, weeks or months or whatever. But, yeah, I just hope that it does stay. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Because yeah. even, even in fiction, yeah. like, there's still ways that you should handle these kind of topics and, and stuff because there are people who are going to read them and like, it's going might be triggering for someone or difficult for someone to read. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to think about that aspect, too, right? Yeah, no, I agree, and I I agree with you there because I would actually be kind of like I would feel mm-hmm. kind of cheated yeah. if we didn't get to see some of that process at least like like give me at least three to five chapters of it because that can span any time frame but just don't rush it I would re- I'm really looking forward to the next volume um, he can take all the time he needs to write it and illustrate it I'm just really looking forward to what happens next yeah but sorry that was a lengthy review I felt like I had to give a lot of like background well, information the book, though. Is, the book itself is lengthy so yeah it's understandable Oof, um so girl. we're gonna move into films or t- TV shows what should we do first uh let's do TV shows TV shows so I'll go first so for TV shows, I'm going to do, as usual, a K-drama. And this is a new one. Um, it is called... It has, like, multiple names, because some of these um, K-dramas have, can have, like, five different names. And this one is called mm-hmm. Be Melodram- Melodramatic, or Mellow is My Name, which is how you would find it on... Okay. Um, which is how you would find it on Vicky, which is where I watched it. So on Vicky is Mellow is My Name. Um, so this okay. one is a really interesting one. And I've noticed um, K-dramas themselves can have very realistic plot lines and stuff. But I realized in the last, like, I would say two years, they've been really taking a lot of time to develop stories with realistic perspectives and how, how certain things like mental illness are handled with. And there's a film that when it comes to talking about mental illness, one of the most popular ones is um, OK, That's Love. And this one is kind of similar. Hmm. Um where it talks about grief and mental illness and being a single parent and like struggling and like achieving your dreams so it's focused on three women um one is M. Jinju she is a drama she's a writer for drama tv shows and the other one is uh, Lee Eun Jung she is a documentarian and the third um, friend is Wang Hanju, and I love this show. This show is so freaking funny. It's it's mm-hmm. it's heartfelt. It's like realistic. I related a lot to it again, unintentionally. It but this one like with um, Ung Jung, like her 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 whole storyline is her fiance died, and like she's mm. been like stuck in this emotional state where she sees him. Um, like her brain okay. like her brain literally did this thing where it, like it shut off and like it started, it, as a coping mechanism she sees him she hallucinates him and there's a term for it and I forgot to write down the name of the term but it's about it's about prolonged grief like sometimes people have like a, pro, a prolonged sense of constant grief like your brain like the brain is a wonderful and miraculous thing the way like we, we our brains protect us so like in order for mm-hmm. to protect her, her brain like started creating hallucinations of her fiance and she like see him and she she talked to him and the way how the writer and the, the way how the writer uh handles this storyline is so beautiful because it gives her time to process the grief like we, she's she didn't process it before but the way it's going through like the way how the writer like just developed her and showed her and showed her and, like either like saying and no one rushes her about her grief right mm-hmm. like she has a brother um uh 
his name is um Hyo Bong, and he's 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 there for her. Like they, her friends move into her move into her home to be around her and to be there for her, and they don't rush her. They don't ever tell her you need to get over him. They don't say why don't you snap out of it. I think they don't do that. They give her time to grieve and they 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 understand and they're patient with her. And then for the other and then. And I think it's beautiful to see, and it's a different way of like discussing grief, where it shows from the perspective of the person experiencing grief that grief can manifest in different ways, and it's not only just crying. It's like yeah. she's functioning, but there's things that other people like. I never thought about someone literally hallucinating seeing their loved one as a coping mechanism but apparently this is something that, that does happen this is something that people do and um and i think the writer did a fantastic job and then there's also um the way how they handle going after you so like each of them represents something different so like for jinju she's a as i said she's a drama writer and her whole thing is she she wrote this drama and they're trying to get it produced and she's trying to stay true to herself as a, as a writer but then she's also discovering things about herself as she's writing and discovering things about her friends as she's writing and the, the way how this film this show is constructed I would love to sit down and talk to the writer because it's like it's a film it's a show about a writer creating a show that is mm-hmm. eerily similar to the show we're watching so it's like we're watching so it's like we're watching the writer of Be Melodramatic going through the process of creating dream be melodramatic so it's like a self-insertion like the writers writing about themselves creating it as the show goes along so i think that's is genius um and mm-hmm. it's executed brilliantly there's like a lot of um breaking of the fourth wall and it talks about love and the way how a lot of those the moments are the um the fourth wall is broken is where you see the cast talks looks at the screen and looking at you at the audience and they just say sanange which means i love you um but it's about different aspects there's different types of love right so like you they can be talking about agape love eros love philia love all those kind of yeah. things and they're, they're like it's about love just so it's a, it's a show about loving you and loving the people around you and i think there's this term um, that a writer on twitter and it's called jong um so in uh it would be in romanization it would be j-e-o-n-g jong um it's, okay. and so it's this concept of love in korean culture where it's like you have this love for the people around you and and the people in society and it's like you show like respect and love to like people that you don't know and it's not like ordinary love but it's just, it's something specific to this culture and i kind of like understand because like in the caribbean like if we see like old people and we like we we refer to them as our grandparents we would say if we see like an old mother an old man or an old man we would say grand our gramps right our mm-hmm. dads we like we, we we take we would respect them as we would respect our own grandparents so it's something similar and i, re- I related to that a lot so the film I keep saying from the show these were that a lot and it's funny in how um <laughs> like one of the things that k-dramas is known for or it's just the inner dramas are forced product placements ppls and this show this is another way they break the fourth wall in the fact that they will legit reference uh product placements and they would say yeah we know we're promoting this we like we know we're promoting this product it is what it is like we got to get the show made that like how else are we going to get the show made and i think that's brilliant like i like that they're keeping you in reality but reminding you that like you're still watching a show so it's, it's done really well mm-hmm. um it's the the music is i love the music it's really well shot like the cinematography is really good um it is done in a way that it feels like you are there with them and you're watching these friends and you're a part of their family and their their thing and that's another thing about it is 
I love this. I love stories about found families, like where you create your own family because you might not necessarily be related. Yes. You might not necessarily be close to your blood relatives. So that's another thing, like where you can find people and they and like they become part of your family, right? And and I love this kind of storylines because a lot of people that I'm close to are people I'm like sometimes close to the people who are not my blood relatives. And like I'm like these are my found family. That they're, they're my family. I consider you my family. You're my sister. And so, <laughs> Same. so like I so I love stories about that kind of stuff. And another thing about the show is it has an openly gay character, like he's homosexual. And mm. this is Um Jung's brother, um, Hyo Bong. So like South Korea is a very conservative country, so like mm-hmm. the way how like homosexuality is it's like it exists there and like people know about it but it's not necessarily like openly discussed. So I think it's a really big deal to have a show where like it's just a fact of life like like he is gay like they even crack a couple jokes uh, like not about him being gay but how people react to it and stuff and I'm like it's beautiful because it's not a part it's not a big deal they're like they just show him with his boyfriend and like characters will say oh yeah they've been dating like for, for years and that's it like right they don't they, mm. like it, and, I, and I just love that they're like we know that he's gay and like I think it's a really good thing that is being done like um in a K-drama this way and like maybe we'll see mm-hmm. more of that in like future K-dramas so I think it's really good that this it was talked about in um in the show I have two more episodes to finish I have to watch the last two episodes um there is one part of the show that I'm not necessarily being too au fait with and this is with a character uh Jae-hoon and he has this girlfriend this girl is crazy and I don't say that lightly she mm-hmm. has some issues she's unstable um, and I don't when I don't like to use the word mental like if you're talking about mental illness and referring to someone as crazy. I think she's just crazy. <laughs> like she's very she's okay. very as in, as in she's extremely possessive. Um, yeah. She so it's not that she has a mental illness. She's possessive. She's uh, manipulative. She's she mm. lies um to him and everything, and she makes him feel guilty about things like if he questions her and he like tries to stand up for himself like she manipulates him she gaslights him and I think this is the first time where in a K-drama where you see like normally if you see like someone having this kind of behavior it's a male character so to see this in a yeah. female character and a young female character be manipulative of of her boyfriend um that's that's good to see because like we do need to talk about these discussions but the only thing about it is I have this feeling that they might not be together, that they might go, but he, because where I am, he, he left her, he broke up with her, and he's like, I can't do this anymore, because she cheated on him, and I'm like, yes, yeah, stand your ground, whatever, and I'm like, please do not send him back to her, because this is sending a very bad message, or it's a very mixed message, apparently, from what I saw online, it could be an open-ended um, ending, where like it's open to interpretation to the audience, and I'm like, well, in that case, I would prefer that they... If the ending scene is with them together, that he's telling her, listen, let bygones be bygones, but I don't need to have you in my life. Goodbye, have her be gone. And that's it. I don't want to imagine him back together with her because it's sending a very bad message compared to what they're showing in the film, which is about moving on and learning to grow and accepting yourself and wanting better for yourself. Because that's one of the other things about the show. Um, one of the messages is wanting better for yourself, especially when people doubt you. I'm like, he needs to want better for himself. I want better for him. He deserves happiness. Yeah. Like, please don't do yes. this to this character. It would be uncharacteristic for the show. So if that's how it ends, I'm going to choose to believe that in the end, like, they are not together. Um, but yeah, so that's one of, the, that's one, I think probably one of my favorite K-dramas for this year. And you can find it on Vicky. 
Um, it's a JTBC show, so it shows in uh, South Korea Fridays and Saturdays. But the last two episodes added, um, the last two episodes would have showed this weekend gone. So I have to get the last two, I have to get caught mm-hmm. and then I'm done. But it's called, again, Be Melodramatic. Our Mellow is My Nature on Vicky.com. And I recommend anyone to watch it. Um, yeah. And there's this fun nice. song. I'm not sure the title is, but it's about shampoo. It's hilarious when you first hear it. You're like, what is going on here? <laughs> but it actually works with the mm-hmm. show. And I would just recommend it to like, anyone to watch. Nice. No, I'm. I might have to check that out. You've never. You have not steered me wrong with K drama recommendations. Well, thank thus you. Far. Yes. So I will continue to watch because I'm still waiting for Kingdom, season two. I, I need that to come back now. I have now. to check to see. I think it probably wrapped up filming by now. It should be. They're probably we in post production. Is it? We are in full blown spooky season mm-hmm. now, and I would really, really enjoy my <laughs> Korean drama zombie movie. Yeah, I haven't. So. I haven't seen any. Um, I haven't seen any announcements for Kingdom, like um, on like the for the K drama sites and stuff that I follow. I haven't seen any announcements about if it's finished filming yeah. or whatever. It's been quiet. So, I just know we're getting one. I know we're getting the second season. I just haven't heard anything about when. Yeah, I think I know like they did go into um, production during summer because I do. I do remember a post about Beiduna, uh mm. starting filming. So yeah, so it's probably gonna wrap up. If it's not finished, it's probably going to wrap up soon because uh, it's going to be entering winter in South Korea because, like, the end they get like bitterly uh, cold. Their, win- their winters get bitter, bitterly cold. Uh, <laughs> hmm. But well, yeah, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Exactly, hanger at the end. And 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 for anyone, if you Ooh. haven't seen Kingdom, go and watch it. It's on it's on Netflix. It's six episodes yep. long. You can binge it in one afternoon. In one afternoon, watch it. Go get scared and be entertained. It's it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> very very good. Um, oh, and also it's my turn now. Um, so keeping with the theme of well of weebdom, my little nerdy anime self, I've watched a new anime. I actually binged the first two seasons because um, I have no. I have no sense of pace. But anyways, <laughs> this was this one is on Funimation. It's called Golden Kamoi. Mm-hmm. So basically, Golden Kamoi is this anime. It's on Funimation. I'm sure y'all can find it anywhere else y'all want to watch anime at. But long story short, uh, this guy named Sugimoto, he is a veteran from soldier. He I don't know the exact year because I never saw a year posted, but it apparently happened during the Russian Japan Japan War. So it's past the. It's de- definitely past the. They just ended the age of the samurai, like, like that era. They they have entered the era of like more westernization in Japan. Like you see it starting to change it over to that. So he's been in the war. His whole thing. His nickname was the Immortal Sugimoto because this man has been hacked at, shot at, but he just kept on fighting in order to get to live and survive so he did whatever he needed to take this man got mm-hmm. shot in the like his he got shot in the chest oh. and kept running up a mountain to fight all to take back all this territory and like this is one of the things in history where i wish like in high school they actually taught us like more about world history besides britain and um like america besides those two things because i didn't know that the japanese and the russians had wars and like a lot of this is based off of like historical things and i'm like whatever never thought yeah exactly which i mean of course 
imperialism. So why not? Uh, so I just thought that was really interesting that th- this is a whole war that happened. Um, so there's that part of it because I really like war and history and culture. And then another part of it is that the story also so Asherpa is this young I think she's 12 years old and her, Sugimoto meets her by chance when he's in the woods and it was after he was told this story because Sugimoto he's looking for gold his best friend in the war with him had made a promise he's like if I die please take care of my wife she's losing her eyesight no one's going to marry a blind woman um can you please take care of her and take her to america it'll cost 200 yen so his friend dies um and they were childhood friends and everything so and he knows the girl so he he makes a promise to take care of her and get her the um, medical attention she needs to treat her eyes um so he's he figured the fastest way he can do that is by looking for gold but all the gold is dried up in the river so those things happen yeah (laughs) Yeah, because of Gold Rush. Um, so he, by chance, this old drunk man comes up to him and tells him a story like, oh, you're looking for gold? Well, let me tell you a story. Oh, there was this man. He stole all this gold from this indigenous tribe of, Jap- of people here in Japan. And he then like took it all and hid it. And then he was arrested. And he, like, did, like, he was a mass, like, he slaughtered all these people. So he slaughtered all these indigenous people for their gold. Um, mm. Basically, the and when he was in prison, he made a deal with, like, 30 or so prisoners that if they let him tattoo the map, like, the code for where the gold was yeah. at onto their bodies, everybody would get a share. Well... The realization is the only way to tell the code would have been that none of the prisoners would live. Everyone would die because you'd have to flay them. You'd have to skin (gasps) them in order to get show the full code. Oh, yeah. 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 That's that's evil. Yeah, he was evil. He, he, He evil man. Very, very evil. Um, so that's just to give you all the background there. So he, the, so he, Sherpa and Sugimoto meet up. Sugimoto doesn't believe in the tale until the old man tries to kill him in his sleep, and he realizes that was real. You were telling the truth. So he kills the old man out of self defense. Oh, yeah. And the old man ha- tries to run away. He's been shot. A bear finds the old man. <laughs> like almost eats the old man alive and but Sugimoto finds him he takes the skin off of his body a bear comes out and a Sherpa this 12 year old little badass girl with the arrow and everything takes down a bear Mm -hmm. and she saves Sugimoto and then that's where they make their deal and he tells her about the gold and the story and it turns out that she's a part of the tribe that the gold was stolen from oh plot twist so yep plot good plot twist so basically oh and the tribe's name this was the Ainu people and the Ainu are based off of like an actual indigenous tribe of people that lived in in an area of Japan Mm -hmm. so I thought that was also interesting so they make a deal that like yes and then her other another plot twist is she believes that her father was killed when that goal was stolen because he was there so she knows the story is true because a group of Ainu men were killed when the goal was stolen and her father was Mm. there so she says okay I'll help you so I can get justice for my father and for our people and Sugimoto's not greedy he's just I just want 200 yen so I can help my best friend's um, widow 
and get her the help that she needs. And so they make a deal and then they embark on this journey to go hunt down the other prisoners. And so they're not as gruesome. They kind of make a promise where she's like, I don't want to kill anybody. He's like, look, I only kill people so I don't get killed. So their whole thing is kind of like, let's just capture them, copy down their tattoos. We'll figure it out along the way. But we will not. They kind of have the agreement of like, let's not kill anyone unless we have to. So it's kind of heartwarming because then along the way that like that she teaches him all these things about the wilderness and her people and their culture and it's really I think it's very educational mm-hmm. because like I said it's, it's not like you get the opportunity to learn about this kind this part of the culture in Japan um but that's the thing that I think you gotta go do way- so, like if you well yeah because then it will lead people to do research for it but that's the thing um if I'm in yeah. the American educational system like if you want to learn about these mm-hmm. kind of things, you have to go and do the research on your own, right? Because like a lot of people, they oh, yeah. all, they only international wars they really know about is like uh, Second World War, First World War. Uh, mm-hmm. Like here in Canada, there's the War of eighteen twelve, um, but like they don't know like as you you mentioned, there's um, the wars between Japan and Russia, but then there was also wars between Japan and South Korea because South Korea was um, right. Uh, because Japan, they 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 basically subjugated South Korea for a period of time, and like it was mm-hmm. you know imperialist, and like um, they did it with uh, China too, um, but China also did mm-hmm. it with a few other countries. Like um, there's a lot of different wars and stuff that a lot of people don't know about, and like I find like mangas and uh, these kind of like. Uh, um, anim- animes are good because it might lead people to like do more research and learn for themselves. And it's the same thing kind of with like the mm-hmm. K dramas. With the, the, the K dramas, like you do learn a lot about Korean culture. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Of, there's is fiction, but there's a lot of stuff that you can go yeah. and research on and like learn about like the culture and how they do things. And like one of the things that still boggles my mind is how drinking is such is such a big part of their culture. Like drinking soju mm-hmm. and mekju, which is beer, uh, <laughs> is so predominant in their culture it's such a it's such a part of of their culture like for me coming from the Caribbean it's like it's kind of similar where like you have the rum shops and like men would like people would go to rum shops at the, after, at the end of the day and go and um like just drink for like two three hours straight before going home or whatever and in the uh, South Korea Oof. there's something similar where like you it's like a social thing but it's also like a work um, we're obligation to where like if your boss invites you and say come we're gonna go to a durebang which is a karaoke and they're like you kind of have to go right because it's all about seniority and it's about um mm-hmm. station and, like if your superior asks you to come you as the subordinate you kind of have to so it's like learning about these different things and that's why i think that's why I kind of like glad that we watch different kind of different things from the different places of the world because we learn about different things and we can share it with our listeners like you guys listening and even and those who read our posts and stuff and it's in it's it's interesting because like history is important and learning and learning about different cultures and and um, different events all across the world is important and like um uh, anime dealing something with like this it it would be important yeah. Hmm. Oh no, I, I that's exactly why I really like it is because it's like anime is one of my favorite mediums to like watch and be entertained with, but I think it's also very 
like really well done that you get to learn something about a culture and it did spark my interest to like oh let me read up more about like cause, like I didn't I would like you said like the educational system we in America North America I guess as a whole also is like it's not like we really have the opportunity to learn every country's culture mm-hmm. like it's kind of like that's a lot of history to cover and then even in world history everything isn't covered so i think it's really interesting i'm like basically it's nice that this anime gave like highlighted this culture in japan where a lot of people aren't even probably aware of that these people existed and it's kind of like oh yeah there were people called the Ainu that lived there and they like these were these indigenous people and they were seen as separate from the Japanese like they were treated as different completely like they had their own language and everything so it's like I think I just thought that like oh that's really really interesting to have like to learn that and then like the way they teach you other stuff along the way through the anime which of course like there's like you said there's fiction but like like you said the k-dramas it's interesting that we get to learn something along the way as we're being entertained mm-hmm. I think that's the best but, way to learn learn, uh, learn while you're being entertained yep <laughs> yep I guess oh, one other thing I really enjoy about this so fight scenes are great lots of action the story is really interesting however another thing um instead of doing fan service with the women characters like most anime usually does they do fan service with the male characters and all the men are like bulky buff and like grisly looking men so i just like there's a there's an episode where they all go to like um a bathhouse mm-hmm. and instead of like in typical anime fashion they would like have the shots of the steam covering the girls like body parts but then like doing a lot of revealing stuff with the women they don't do that which I'm glad because the little girl's 12 and the other woman is like 18 or whatever ah. so I'm glad that's not done here and even, regardless of age mm-hmm. but it was funny because I'm like I think this is the first time I've seen one besides like Yuri on Ice where the men are the ones objectified which people might have issues with that, but I just found it funny because nine times out of ten, when you watch anime, they usually do fan service primarily with the female characters. Yeah, and so I just thought like, hmm, look at them flipping the script. And it was just more like the steam and like seeing a big old burly chest. Like this kind of um, again with the Korean dramas, there's just law. It's called the um, unofficial third rule of K dramas where. You have to have steamy scene, uh, a, a, a steamy scene of the male lead taking a shower. You don't see everything, but you see mm. enough, and you're like, you know what? Written for the female gaze, and I was worried because I haven't seen mm-hmm. it in a few dramas. But there's a new one called Vagabond. It's on Netflix. People, starring my boo Isan mm. and I'm like, oh, there's my fan service. There's my female gaze. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This. this I appreciate you and appreciate this because like we see enough of women yeah you always get butt shots of women in western um media like oh you know like the camera pans up from the woman's fit up to yeah. her legs and you see her and you see her her tush and her uh, her breasts and i'm like oh i'm like kate Ramos are like no we're gonna show you men bathing in hot steam and it's always a hot steamy shower <laughs> Look, I want equal fan service, if anything. I want it. I just want some equality to exactly. it. Exactly. Just because, like, exactly what you said. Like, if I can throw a stone and find a TV show where you see the woman, like, more of her body than you see the man. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be like, look, 
I want equality for it all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what I've been watching. I really enjoyed it. So y'all can check that out if y'all are interested. And lastly, let's move into the movie corner. Sorry, y'all. This is like a little extra long episode, but we had a lot to catch up on. Yes. Uh, for uh, for my film, I am going to do mm-hmm. The Sound of Metal, which again, showed at TIFF. And this one stars Riz Ahmed. Olivia Cook, Laura Ridolph, um, Matthew Amarak, uh, and it was written and directed by uh, Abram, well, uh, directed by Darius Mader, but written by Darius Mader and and Abraham Mader. I think I'm, wait, am I saying their names right? Martyr, sorry, well, I think it's Martyr, it's M-A-R-D-E-R, so if I'm saying it, I believe it's Martyr. Martyr, 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 yeah. And mm-hmm. it's about a heavy metal drummer whose life is thrown into chaos, basically, or free fall, when he begins to lose his sudden hear- his hearing suddenly. So it's like spontaneous hearing loss because of all the noise that he's been listening to as a heavy metal drummer. And this is, uh, this one was, this one at film was an interesting experience. Or, or, and I would, and for two reasons. One, thematically, like, as a cinema experience, is very interesting because the way they do the sound, the sound design, I think the only other film that I've experienced in cinema that has such a amazing sound design would have been, um, last year would have been Roma. Um, and this year, I, I hope they do get nominated for um, sound design for the Oscars. Um, I believe they deserve it because um, with, because it's told from uh the perspective of Ruben, which is who's played by um, Riz Ahmed, like you hear how his how he's losing his hearing. Like there's um mm. uh, there's this condition called tinnitus, which is yeah. um, you know that, that high pitched that you know that high pitched ringing that you can hear in your ears. But then it also like goes into muffled. It's like becomes muffled. Like he'd be hearing someone talking, and then all of a sudden it gets muffled. And then there's you hear different oh. aspects of it. So it's all like there's different. I guess I I don't I want to say shades to how he hears, mm-hmm. and um, so that was really interesting to experience. It was kind of um discombobulating for me because I do because I, I have MS. And one of the symptoms of my MS is it affects my auditory um, senses, so like my hearing, and I do get tinnitus. I have mm-hmm. I get the 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 high the high pitch ringing, the muffling. Uh, like sometimes I do lose hearing, like for like a like a couple seconds. Like I have, uh, I think it's fifteen percent hearing loss in my in my left ear. So like, it was weird hearing that on screen and kind of experiencing it at the same time as I was watching it because like when the audio went hit certain pitches it kind of like triggered like the tinnitus so it was kind of weird hearing mm. it coming from the speakers and hearing it in my head at the same time so that was a weird and interesting auditory um, experience um but Riz Ahmed was great he's he's so good like um I want to see him in more films like this like he he continues to like in each film that like, he's in successively get better and show as and shows people what he can do as an actor and um mm-hmm. he as Ruben he he's you, you see how, like, he's trying to cope, or not even cope, like, trying to come to terms with, with what's happening. At first, he's resistant, and he's in denial. He's like, no, I can't get back my hearing. He he wants to get a cochlear implant because he's like, I have to, I'm a drummer, I'm a musician, I have to get my hearing. He's like, how am I as a musician going to go about life 
deaf. And it wasn't only that he was becoming deaf, but for him, because he is a musician and like hearing is like how he be, how he is as a musician. So like he's struggling with that, and he goes into this um this facility for drug addicts. So he he's a recovering drug addict, right? And so this is for drug people who are specifically are deaf or becoming deaf and have um, a history of drug addiction because something like this, something as traumatic as this, will could become a trigger so it's about helping them not only mm-hmm. come not only cope with the deafness but also give them tools on how to cope with it without reverting back to um to, to drugs so i thought that was an interesting aspect of it too and that like, you see him mm-hmm. begin to learn sign language and like see him like um com- learn how to communicate with people in a new way and another thing is because he's an adult and he's going deaf as an adult he has to go into a school for deaf children and he is as an adult is in a class surrounded by children learning how to navigate life as a deaf person so he's learning mm. everything from scratch he has to learn sign language from scratch and he's learning with children right and these children know more about know more than him because they've been in school longer than he has so that's another interesting aspect um mm. and and like like for me like uh like like this was like for me as I mentioned because I have um, MS. Like this is another one of those films during the festival where I was like, ah, crap, <laughs> where it hit me emotionally, but on a different level because I'm like watching this character learning how to cope with losing a part of himself, and but also discovering a part of himself because with um, with with MS, like there's limitations, there's things that I can't do as well as I used to be able to do them. Right, like hearing, like my hearing is is like progressively getting worse and like like my speech it affects my speech and the way I walk and the way I move and stuff so I like to see him like learning how to cope and navigate life with this new disability was uh was was very personal it was a very personal experience for me to see as well and um mm-hmm. also one of the characters in it is Lauren Ridolf now oh yeah you might recognize her name she's going to be in the MCU film um my gosh help me the one with um, i'm looking up her face right now oh my the eternals oh okay yeah she's 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 the deaf actress right yeah so she's going to be in the eternals so it was when i started i'm like that's the chick that's gonna be in the eternals i'm like yeah so it's like you have so it's interesting so so we saw her and she is she is deaf in real life so we have a actor Mm. who is playing a deaf a person becoming deaf i think that's also important to to do because normally mm-hmm. we would say you can have a deaf actor playing a deaf character but the difference is this is an actor who's playing a person who was hearing becoming deaf so that's where i didn't have a problem yeah. with him playing this character because it's not he did he, the film doesn't start with him being deaf right so it's, it's showing the progression of someone losing yeah. their hearing and stuff so like so i thought it was interesting but it's also important to see uh, a character who is deaf played by a deaf uh um a deaf actress so that was that was great to see as well um it's beautifully shot like the way how they use sound in the film like you hear like rustling gra- things like wind moving through trees and and through grass and it's like showing you how people who with hearing take things for granted like something as simple as wind moving through grass or like a the, the flap of a bird's wing or like you know or like uh, something hitting the ground like for us those are like things we don't even pay attention to unless it's like uh, annoying sound or like something mm-hmm. specific but like for him like for Ruben is like he's beginning to realize how important these little these little everyday details are 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a, another really important way where it's like telling you to value what you have. And, but it's also showing you that if you do lose your hearing, like it does change your life and it does change you, but it's not, and it is a disability, but it's not one where it makes you less than. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's another thing that, that um, Ruben had to deal with. He had to realize that it, being deaf doesn't make him less than. And yeah, it's something that he doesn't have to like, he eventually comes to realization that it's not, there's nothing wrong with being deaf because he wanted the cochlear implant and stuff. And it's understandable, yeah. but it's about the whole thing of like, I'm deaf and that's a fact of life and it doesn't make me less than anyone else. So it doesn't make me less than people who can hear or, or, or mm-hmm. you know? So I thought it was a very important message in the film too. So I really love that. I love Riz Ahmed's performance. Um, that sounds really good. It was really good. Like I would recommend anyone see it. You have to see it in cinema. But I would rec- I would give a caution. There's only there's like a scene, like the first five minutes were were very intense for me because um, there is like strobe lighting, and because it's, it oh. takes place in like a, a concert hall, so you know there's like the strobe lights and everything, and that combined yeah. with the music was very um, was a bit overwhelming for me. So I would caution anyone who is sensitive to like strobe lights, like I am. Um, it's nothing near as bad as like the Incredibles too, but I would caution anyone to yeah. like just be careful in the first five minutes I had to close my eyes because I couldn't take the audio and the visual at the same time so I had to close my eyes and taking the audio so that's the only caution yeah. I would have for that film that definitely sounds like a lot and I know um like kind of I, I appreciate you making that comment about Riz um, Ahmed like how he, he's obviously like he's like he, he can hear mm-hmm. But like him being in that role because that was gonna be my question but like it makes sense for him to play that role but it is good that like um that it that they can like have that perspective from that person mm-hmm. but then it's I, I like the lesson being taught because i think that's just like one of those things like i really really hate when people go on twitter and they be like oh my god i just i pray that i never lose this or like oh i'm so blessed to have my legs and have my sight and like it just I don't I don't care for ableism mm-hmm. I don't like I don't think as I don't think anyone should it just I always feel like people are just so quick to feel that without the like without an ability that they are no longer the person they used to be and that's a pro and I, I can understand going through a process and then like grieving or like grieving something that you've once had mm-hmm. and taking it for granted and not thinking it would be gone. I mean, I say this as like two years ago, I almost lost my eyesight um, because of a pseudo tumor. And I, I was freaking out. I was just like, what, how, how will I live? How will I do that? And then like, it, it really made me have to like, like check myself. I'm like, I'll still be myself. I'll still be Nisha. I just, it'll be something different about me that I'll have to get used to if I did lose my sight. Um, it just yeah. made me think like there's people, who, there's people that go through, like they are either born with it or they lose an ability or something changes and they still live their lives to the fullest. Yeah. And, it's, and I think a lot of that's from fear. I just don't like when people like put it, do it in a very like ableist, ableist way. Like I don't know how to list the, what another word to say it is. No, it is because there is there is there is this the thing, and I think part of it is how society looks at people with disabilities, where um, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, "How will I live?" And I I did have those kind of moments because like there is there is the the MS and like 
I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a progressive disease, right? It will get, like, even with treatment and stuff, like, it it, it does get better because, like, my range of motion does change. And, like, there's, like, sign- mm-hmm. there's, like, as time goes on, like, my left side is more affected than my right side. Like, my hands are weaker. My left hand is, and my left leg are weaker than my right side. And, and like, every time you go to the doctor, it's, like, it's just, like, you can tell there's just a bit more weakness than it was the last time. Uh, and, like, the mm-hmm. hearing, like... It is getting like worse and like and like like in my left ear like losing my weakness my hearing is I can tell this it's going, and then there's things like vision and stuff and like these are things I've talked about I'm like how will I ever like, if I ever get to the point where I have to use a walking aid like I'm gonna have to learn to adjust you know like even though I have to learn to adjust like if I'm feeling tired I have to learn okay don't push myself too hard I have to learn to to you know like take breaks and that kind of stuff and and like, mm-hmm. that's the thing like we like society has taught us that we if you're disabled mm-hmm. you have to be fixed that your disability has to be fixed and like people are like right. you're gonna have to come up with these extremely expensive devices to help you walk i'm like there's nothing wrong with not being able to walk wheelchairs are fine how about you just uh, like mm-hmm. put up a ramp why are you coming up with these things yeah. that are going to cost like things that 90% of people with disabilities aren't even going to be able to afford because you want us to look like everyone else. Like there's nothing wrong with being in a wheelchair. Just give right. us access. Just give people accessibility. Give them wheelchairs. That's like mm-hmm. um, one of the films that I saw Tiff also that I did a review for called 37 Seconds. It's about a character with cerebral palsy played by the act and the actress has cerebral palsy. And it's like mm-hmm. they made a whole film about this character and this actress and like they, they, they made it work. And I'm like society has to be like that like make it work for people with wheelchairs make it work for people with disabilities make it work for people who are deaf right. make it work for people who are blind um you know like just make it work you have the you have the tools like you can do it um so that's the thing exactly. the film is, like he has to learn that this is a part of his life and this is and there's nothing wrong with being this way and and i think that's a beautiful thing and i hope more people see it not only just for that, thing, but that. just for that message as well um mm-hmm. But yeah. like, I love that message. I think that's I think that's a perfect message to end on. It it's not about him saving his hearing. It's about him coming to acceptance of the change. I think that's really really touching. Yeah, and it's done in a very so, subtle way. It's not like very blatant. It's just all about a lot of it is conveying the acting, um, and mm. like Riza Meds and like his expressions where you see like certain things that like, he'll be like, okay, you can see like moment like it's just like if you just read his just read his expression his facial, you'll see where his character is going, his what he's thinking, and I think he's done a brilliant mm-hmm. job with doing that. Like he is a very expressive actor, um, and mm. yeah, so that was good. So so yeah, so that was on my my favorite films at TIFF as well. So, Sound of Metal, people. Nice. If you if, if it goes into cinema, watch it. Hope so. Okay, so to round things out, I watched it chapter two. <laughs> um. So yeah, Karen, I'm sorry. Um, I figured I realized that that movie came out much earlier this month, so it kind of works out. Um, but anyways, so yeah, I watched it chapter two. Um, honestly, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy Stephen King 
all like all the, all the books I've ever read, even though some of them give me nightmares. But it's really really good. So basically, the synopsis is for y'all who are familiar with the story, and I feel like everyone else should be by now. But anyways, y'all know the story. The Losers Club um, from it chapter one. They all have grown up. They are adults now. They then find out that Pennywise, the evil clown that terrorizes Derry, has come back after his twenty seven years of slumber and has started killing children again and now they they after they made a promise to come back if he were still alive after they had defeated him the first time then they all are reached out to from the one person who stayed in the town Mike in order for them to come back so that they can defeat him for one final time for good and nightmarish things ensue if i i'll say this if scary things like if you were scared by like little not little i don't know what y'all gotta give me what your threshold for like fear is like the the clown eats children like this is this is a rated r movie and the clown is demonic and eats children. so it shows him eating so it does show him biting a child nope the first one you see him bite off the child's what? arm in the first oh in the first yeah film? The original one or the one that yeah, came out like fr- two years ago? The one that came oh, out two okay. years ago. So I think the one, the original probably wasn't as graphic. Mm. I don't think. But this one's much graphic. It's like in the beginning, it starts off this gay couple. They're leaving the town's festival. They get, they're attacked by some homophobic people of the town. Um, and the boyfriend, the one who's from the town, his boyfriend is thrown over into the river and Pennywise like grabs him as if he's helping him mm-hmm. and he's unconscious so he doesn't know what's happening and Pennywise like he grabs the boy the boyfriend rushes down to try to save him and he makes eye contact with Pennywise Pennywise looks at him waves at him smiles and like again for y'all who don't know Pennywise is a demonic looking clown like but he looks like a, a happy clown uh, um, no he doesn't kind of different well no he doesn't like I hate clowns to a, no clown looks happy to me girl same but it's kind of like if a any child would know in the year of 2019 with the way that clown look that's not a clown that's a demon I don't, I you don't, don't go talk to him clowns are funny I, I hate i never like clowns i hate them i'm not a fan i'm really not i a know fan. anyone it's would say just, oh something like where when how no, I would love for someone to do a documentary on the study of like how clowns have become like this very demented thing. Because they look evil. It's a I fake John, smile. Like nothing more, nothing yeah. more thing than that. I also, hmm. but like I think of, I associate it with all like the de- like the demented things about like John Wayne Gacy, the serial hmm. killer who would dress up as a clown. Like how like to the public he would like do all these charity events as a clown, but then he was a serial killer. Like that's my association with clowns. Like they're hiding something behind them, behind them, and it and it freaks me out. So, sorry, little true crime there for y'all. Um, <laughs> this is not a true crime podcast though. But yeah, so then in the scene with the boys at the river, he like bites out his chest, like his heart, and eats him in front of the boyfriend. Like, so it's that graphic. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of jump scares. Um, the people like they the friends you eventually come together and they're able and like they have to face their fears all over again uh and it's just like dear god it's like having to face your fears like your worst nightmares and then like doing it all over again like after you they've left the town mm-hmm. 
and then they have to come back to fight him again, I'll just be like, well, I, I, bye. I'm not coming back. I moved away for a reason. Exactly. But then, like, the in- but the interesting thing is that, like, you find out why they- it was so easy for them to just leave the first time. Because, like, because of the promise they made and because of them being able to su- survive the first time, they realized that they basically have this curse put on them that if they don't kill him now, then they'll die in the fe- They'll die soon. Like, like, mm. I, like everyone's going to die, but like they'll die, um, like because they weren't able to kill him, and the clown is basically just like trying to run out time in order for them to not either they'll either he'll kill them or he'll like or they will die because they weren't able to defeat him. Oh, okay. Because they because they were able to survive, and then the, and because they moved away from the from the town, they basically lost their they for, they forgot about everything. They didn't remember anything until the one friend who stayed in the town for. Those 27 years called them and said he's back like they had no memory mm. like everything was kind of foggy so it's really i mean at the end of the day it's just like like a lot of Stephen king's books it's a story about how friendship and coming together can defeat an evil demonic being yeah <laughs> um like, I mean, I feel like that's theme in a lot of his stuff, but I think it's really this one. I was really impressed with Bill Hader's performance in it. Um, yeah, Bill Hader, Parker, so, yeah, that's what she said. He was, his, he was her favorite. He was her favorite um, character. Mm-hmm. He he's very much like I, I forget that like Bill Hader is a really really good actor. Mm-hmm. Like he's he was the kid in the group who was like the smart ass and always making jokes and all this stuff. Um, and it's like, do you care about spoilers? No, I know I ask you this every no, time. No, I don't. I, so, I don't care. Audience, if you if you don't care, uh, turn the volume down. Just or, skip over. Or, you know, skip. I over. mean, it's been out for a month. Yeah, it's been out for a month by now. Um, basically, Pennywise knows all their deepest, darkest fears, and he uses that against them. Mm-hmm. So Bill Hader's fear is, I guess, one of his fears. He has a fear of clowns, but. Another one of his fears, uh, apparently, is that he has a secret, and it's the assumption that he's either, that he's queer, mm-hmm. not the assumption, but, like, he he's queer. It's, it's not that he ever says it out loud, but Pennywise uses, like, I know your secret, your dirty little secret, like, like he taunts him with it. And it's like, here's a man in 2019, and he's afraid of being outed, but it's, like, also because, like, that's been his fear all along. Right ever since he was a child and like growing up in the town that he grew up in and the homophobia that was persistent there and just like all the prejudice and all the other things he was afraid to ever like be himself or like ever like face that part of himself so it's not really it's not said out loud but it's also kind of seen in the way that he acted through his acting that he had a crush on his on his childhood friend that he really cared about him, like doing the thing that kids do when they like somebody, picking on them, making jokes at them, like not like in a not like in a big bullying way, but like he would always be the one that would, he would look out, he would kind of look out for him as a friend, but also be like giving him a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's like just like the performance that Bill Hader does, I'm just like wow, this is really good, and he's like meant to kind of be like the what's it called, the person that makes like the comic relief in some scenes. But then it just like I'm just the mo- the actor I was most impressed with the whole movie was him, like by far. Mm. So and it's 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 just I think it was really well done. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for horror movies right now. I need all of them that I can get. And I'm just surprised that I can't think of anything good, like, that I'm really excited to see come out this month. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, the only thing that's coming out is Joker and, well, yeah, I hate that film. But anywho, we will not get yeah. into that. <laughs> um, I, I can't think of any films or many big films are coming out. There's probably some indie films. Oh, I'm wrong. Parasite is Parasite? coming What's out that? on October 25th. I know here in Canada, in Canada, but I'm not sure about American cinemas. Uh-huh. By Bong Joon-ho, starring Park Sodam. Watch it if you can. I, this is the one film I gave a 10, 10, 2. Um, a 10 out of 10 from TIFF. It's my number one film at TIFF. It is perfect in my eyes. You can't they speak me every any what's it called parasite parasite is it parasite with a y parasite with an i okay sorry there is another parasite oh, movie that's spelled with a y and it's based off of an anime and that's why i was just like no, that no. can't be right that was in tw- now this one here it is it's 2019, 2019 by oh. bong joon ho memories of a murder uh he's one of my favorite um directors he's one of my favorite korean directors mm-hmm. his films are like always like so well crafted and this film is like legit this film the way how he intertwines like different storylines and he tells us a story about uh society and classism and like i I did a review for it like you guys will find you can uh, link the review to it in the blog post but like yeah i think that's the only film coming out in october that i'm looking forward to uh yeah that's the only one well and for yeah so i don't think it'll come out here but you know what to help um, fix my craving oh, for wait, I'm wrong. I'm spooky wrong. movies. Oh, sorry. Gemini what? Man, starring Will Smith. Mm, oh, that's right. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. This is coming out October. Yeah, good. I think it's coming out. This I think it's coming. Yeah, it's coming out October. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that one out then. But I did because you were talking about Korean films. I did just remember what's coming up. I'm not sure we might be able to have this episode up in time to let you guys know. But we I can at least announce it here. Um, but why though is ho- we are hosting Spook? Well, sorry, I'm gonna redo this part. I have a lot to edit. Yeah, you you, okay. you glitched out there just now for a moment. So I missed what you said after Korean something. Okay, so uh, since we were talking about Korean dramas and movies, I just remembered that this Sunday you there will again. be. Dang it! Okay. Hmm. Okay. Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, I can hear. But like, as soon as you say the word Korean, it like it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I... Okay. Um, Let me just say South here. Korean. I'm gonna close up. <laughs> yeah. Let me just like close this. We'll close up this part, and then like I'll cut it off. Not cut. Don't cut it off. Sorry. My bad. Um, and with that, guys, I guess that concludes our reviews for this month. I just have one announcement to make. But why, though? This is actually something that Kate, our editor-in-chief of the website, had an idea for. And it's the Spooky Sundays. Mm-hmm. And this Sunday, October 6th, um, depending on when you hear this episode, we will be watching Train to Busan. Yay! Ay, ay, yes! Ay, ay, our favorite ay, movie. Ay, so ay. I will put... <laughs> Carolyn's favorite movie also <laughs> of all time. It um, is really. But yes, it was, 
Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, But anyways, y'all can please feel free to tune in. I'll put the link in the show notes. But basically, you get to join us in the But Why the Discord. It's kind of like we're all sitting together watching a movie, talking to one another. And it's we're just having a big old fun movie night. Last weekend, Carolyn, not Carolyn, um, Kate and I, we were watching Scream. A few people popped in and out of there and joined us. Um, It's okay if you don't feel like listening to people talk. You can always like text in the chat, talk about the movie, you can live tweet along with us. But it's really just meant for a great way for everyone to get in the mood for spooky so, season so and watch really good horror movies. So, 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 hmm? so I, I, I had joined the, the Discord a little too late because so I, I couldn't take part. So, and this is like I've never used Discord before. So, Discord, you can hear people, you can hear each, we can hear each other chatting about the film. So, it's not yeah, just texting. So, we have these. Yeah, so it's kind of like we can have a we have voice channels. So when we, I'll show you how they work. But basically, you go into the horror voice channel, uh-huh. and that's how when it's time for the movie, everyone can be talking in there, one another sharing commentary and talking about it together. Oh, okay, I thought it was just yeah. like text. Thing. Anyways, it can do like um audio. Thing. Well, kind of makes sense because we're kind of recording through a Discord. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but I will also drop the Discord link in the show notes for anyone who else is interested. So this Sunday, again, will be Train to Busan. The it, We start at 7 p.m. Central Time. So that's 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't ask me about any other time zones. I'm terrible at doing that math. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following Sunday, Sunday, October 13th, it will be Halloween will be the movie. And yeah, so... We will be put. We will put that information. Y'all come along, tweet along with us, watch in the Discord, whichever you want to do. It's all fun. And with that, do you have any announcements, Carol? Um, same thing for um. As you guys know, I do a weekly live feed called Saturday Night Sci-Fi on Twitter, and just uh, yes. like with But Why Though, we also have a Halloween themed um live tweet for the month. And our first film would be The Cell this Saturday night. It's on Netflix, and we will begin at eight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so this is one starring Vincent D'Onofrio, Vince Vaughn, um, Jennifer Lopez. Uh, I watched this film years ago when it came, um, maybe like six months after it came out because I'm like, I don't deal with demons and that kind of stuff because, you know, growing up in the Caribbean and a very Christian household, we don't play with demons and supernatural shit like that. <laughs> um, but, so I haven't seen it <laughs> since then. So this would be my first time watching it as an adult. And it was it should be interesting I do remember it's an extremely beautiful visual film like the way like the visuals are stunning um we'll see how I make it through with the whole horns and vivisected horse and you know should be fun <laughs> but we're doing it in honor of J-Lo and Hustlers and her amazing performance and so that's our first film for October and we, I, we're hoping to do The Crow should it still be available on Netflix um, so that might be the week after we'll see so look out for those announcements so you can follow um, our previous like film live tweets just follow the hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi S-C-I-F-I and you can follow me on Twitter at Carrie C-N-H 12 C-A-R-I IECNH12 on Twitter and Instagram, which I always forget that I have. And you can also find um, I have on my pin. T- um, my pin tweet is uh, the thread of my um, interviews and film reviews that I've done for TIFF. So you can also do that. And um, I think that's it for announcements. 
Sweet. Alrighty. Well, with that, we are going to head on out. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LA underscore NEY underscore SHA. And Carolyn, where can they find you? Uh, again, on Twitter, CarrieCNH12. I tweet a lot about, like, Lanisha, I tweet a lot about TV, films, um, yep. occasionally politics, uh, thirsting, music, yep. dramas. That is it. Thirsting and thirsting ranting. Thirsting and ranting. That's my brand. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it, that's what we do. Yeah. Yep, that is what we do. Also, you can find me, oh, not me, you can also find the show at SHWH underscore pod and check us out over mm-hmm. there. We try to post things regularly, tweet about stuff. <laughs> I need to do better. Busy, I need to like, do better at tweeting from the, the, the account. I've been quite lax recently. I need to do better. Girl, it's been a busy month, but we will, we will do better. Maybe I'll tweet from that for the this week's movie with Train to Busan. Oh, we'll so you'll that. like tweet as you're chatting in the Discord? Oh, I think, yeah, I might do. I'm, well, my voice will be in the Discord, but I can always tweet from the. Oh, we can, so here's yeah, what happened. We could do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we can, maybe we'll do that then. But y'all can tune in, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Yep. Bye. Have a Bye. good month, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>